What do you get when a film school dropout uses his tuition money to make a grungy, vaguely supernatural gang war movie shot guerrilla style on the mean streets of Dayton, Ohio? Well, if that film school dropout is Jim Van Bever, then you get the 1988 cult classic Deadbeat at Dawn. We quit the gangs. They killed our beer. We became dead drunk on a pod for the 141st time. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the number one bad movie and good beer podcast as rated by Meta and our moms. I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight as we kick off our Hops and Hometown Flop series by talking about a movie that is near and dear to my cold, dead heart. Again, Jim Van Bever's magnum opus, Dead Beat at Dawn. Joining me on this episode is our resident custom Batman mask and gang fight fashion expert, Captain Cash. Can it be a magnum opus if it is literally the first film you ever shot and then did not have another film for like 20 years? It was 10 years, give or take. And this is definitely the magnum opus. This this is the best. Just he really came, came out right strong. Out <laughs> yep. Uh, I think that's fair to say the production values went up, but. In terms of quality and the enjoyment factor, no, this one is number one. But anyway, regardless, also joining us is Bone Crusher's stunt double, Mayor McCheese. Yeah, I don't really have a good lead-in other than this is a movie. I didn't no do these statements. Just a yep. wow, the real I, resigned. It was a movie. The problem really is bringing is that, that energy there, and let's just be honest: there's no stunt doubling in this movie. Um, so the big, the big problem is, is there were so many lines I really enjoyed and I didn't have time to turn around and write them down that we're going to end up using them all later in the pod. So I don't want to waste them here. I think one of the better throwaway lines in the movie is get off our turf scum fuck. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, there's, so weird. There's so <laughs> many. <laughs> anyway, I actually wish for, for the first time, I think on this pod, I wish I would have had enough time to watch it twice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but that's, a, that's a ringing endorsement. I like it. But, uh, hey, let's not forget the man with the fastest nunchucks west of the Mississippi, the Thunderous Wizard. Captain Cash, do me a favor. Act as if you're a casting agent and I am trying out for the role of Bone Crusher in my local production of Deadbeat at Dawn. Okay, I love the dead-eyed stare you're given. That's great. That's great. A little more slack-jawed. You know what? Something's missing. Get this man to my shadow. That's okay. perfect. That's perfect. I've chosen this monologue. Give me that rush. I poorly simulate doing drugs. Man, that ain't nothing compared to the rush you can get when you're killing somebody, man. You know what I mean? When you're looking in their eyes and you're seeing all the light just go right out of them. It's power. I hate people, man. I don't care. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about nothing, man. That's actually a really good impression of this particular actor. <laughs> and it is, did Jim not give him like some notes like, hey, um, maybe some bass in your voice or just 
something that doesn't say I picked you up out of you know the sophomore high school class that I was in. Hey, let's mo- not this the good name of Mark Pittman here. The, okay. the monologue's well over a minute, and, he, and his direction was look off into the distance and literally talk about how much you hate people right before you go commit this heinous murder. <laughs> you just have to really stress the point that you do not like people. You in particular do not like people in general. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of being overly critical of one of the best parts of the movie, but whatever. <laughs> Bad, again, best. I'll give you most memorable. It's great. I mean, it's it's a grindhouse exploitation schlock. The bad guys are bad. They say bad things and they do bad things. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. You know, hey, I mean, again, we'll get into it here, but I think this movie is all about context. Uh, and as always, <laughs> <Okay>. you can find... <laughs> I mean, the context that it's a student film. Jeez. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. As always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. And you can download the pod anywhere you find the finest podcasts. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram for all the Ravens versus Spiders noise your brain can handle. Fuck that noise. Totally. Which, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad, like in context, bad thing, but maybe, maybe fuck that noise could be a good thing. You don't, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, again, context. So before we get into the movie any further, let's talk about beer. Uh, this week's beer was an easy pick for me and I know I've done it before, but Miller High Life does make an appearance in the movie. We do see Goose and Keith enjoying a couple of High Lifes while discussing Goose's planned departure from the Ravens gang. So I feel it's a truly fitting choice for the movie. That being said, High Life is, well, High Life. So I'll give it three bad movies, three well-deserved bad movies. Um, It's a fine beverage to drink and pair with uh, Deadbeat at Dawn. So cheers, gentlemen. You're never drinking alone when you're drinking with the lady on the moon. I feel like High Life is the Spider-Man 3 of beers in that it's pretty good, but I feel like it's trading really heavily on my nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, I will just say, if you choose this beer again, I'm going to tear out your eyeballs and (laughs) eat them. (laughs) That's fair. Very fair. Again, a line from the movie, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, a line from the movie. And yeah, frankly, come on. This movie and High Life, that's that's yeah, that's a good pairing. That's about the right speed. That's what yeah. we're dealing with here, people. This this is a high life movie. Yeah, I would say it, if you're doing Edward 40 hands with this movie, it's a perfect pairing. Yep. So you might be asking yourself, what makes Deadbeat at Dawn kind of a well, hey, let's just be honest, it's an obscure independent film, a hometown flop for old Uncle Chumpy here. Well, folks, it's pretty simple. The writer, director, stunt coordinator, and star of Deadbeat at Dawn is Jim Van Bever, who just happened to be my next door neighbor. That's right. His parents own the house directly next to mine where he grew up. Um, He was actually making this movie when I was a toddler-ish, and I even have a vague memory of him shooting what I can only assume to be test footage of someone with the boa constrictor Uh, over their shoulders in his backyard. I distinctly remember being in my backyard, uh, looking over the fence and seeing somebody with a snake in his backyard and a guy with a camel. 
How big of a toddler were you? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I was like five, four or five. I climbed up on the fence. I was peering over the edge. Technically, um, Chumzilla was a toddler until he was about thirteen. I think. How te- well, how terrifying 30. would you want a six foot toddzilla Chumzilla <laughs> running around your house demanding yeah. snacks? I think the larger point change me. If you if you've ever had questions about Chumzilla's mental state. This film will answer many of them. It really <laughs> yes. is autobiographical in a lot of strange ways. I mean, you could argue maybe there was something in the water uh, locally there in uh, rural Ohio, but uh, <laughs> lead, mostly <laughs> yeah. lead, a lot of lead. Heavy yeah. amounts of lead. <laughs> Uh, and it's funny because growing up, um, you know, my dad used to tell me stories about Jim because he was kind of a wild dude next door. Um, no, and, you know, really? He, yeah, no, they party pretty hard. And uh, and uh, yeah, anyway, but my dad would always tell me, he's like, oh, hey, he directed a movie and uh, Joe Bob Briggs liked it. He like wrote a review near the time of the release, you know, singing its praises and He's always like, yeah, you know, it's a drive-in movie. You got to check it out if you ever get a chance to see it. So it wasn't until about 2004 before I finally got a hold of a DVD copy. And I tried to make you guys watch it in college. Uh, and let's just be honest, like, this is like a perfect college movie. I don't know why we didn't watch it more. I, I can remember making the Thunderous Wizard watch it once. And he was just like, meh. I appreciate Bone Crusher way more now. I love Bone Crusher. <laughs> yeah. This so have, I'm glad actually, it's this, gained its audience. This would have perfectly fit in with Bad pod. Movie Wednesday that we were doing in college. Yeah. I think at the time, just being sold as like, hey, my neighbor made a movie, really undersold it. Yeah, I think you um, didn't do it the right service. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad we get to talk about it now and, and rewatch it with a, you know, a decade or so of uh, Fresh eyes, not sucked out of our skulls. Yeah. Eaten, eaten out of your skull. Oh, eaten out of our skulls. My bad. Sorry. There you go. So... The movie was an independent production that Van Bebert managed to screen at local Dayton theaters in 1988. And then he had it released on VHS shortly thereafter, which in a deal he did not like. And it was released again on DVD in 1999 and again in 2008 before it saw a Blu-ray release in 2019. And yes, I do have a copy of the DVD and the Blu-ray. Quick, important question. Do does the Blu-ray come with like a director's commentary track? Because I actually would be very interested in hearing that. You know, that's a really good question. Hold on, let, let me let me check that. Is Jim Van Beber on Twitter? Have we looked at that? Uh, he has done some interviews, and they did do a documentary about him, which you can buy on Blu-ray as well for like twenty-five dollars. But yeah, I'd be curious because I'm fairly certain there's like several scenes where they're all just high as can be. There's not a sober person in the room. And yet it all sort of hangs together, which is sort of amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I like I'm I'm poking fun at this movie, but especially as like your first movie, it's pretty impressive, especially considering he directed, wrote, and starred and was the stunt coordinator. Well, he's got a mean uh <laughs> he's got a mean spinning back kick, I can tell you that much. <laughs> He's a real chucker. I know yeah, that. Do, do not get in front of that man's nunchucks. <laughs> yeah. So I can confirm now for you, Captain Cash, that yes, on the Blu-ray, it does have a freewheeling director's commentary with Jim Van Beber and Paul Harper, who plays Danny Carmody, the leader of the Spiders. 
I wasn't sure if it was on the Blu-ray. There's also like a, uh, a collection of Van Beber films uh, and some of his shorts. And I can't think of the name of it now, but I couldn't remember if that was the DVD release that had the commentary or, or it was the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray has it as well. And uh, there's also some outtakes on it and stuff. I've watched most of that in the past, as long as it comes with a bunch of shorts too. Oh, I bet the outtakes uh, are a gas. Yeah, no, they're pretty good. It's a lot of it's a lot of it is the fight stuff. There's a lot of fight stuff from the uh, like the train yard and whatnot. And honestly, you can't really tell what they cut and kept. It all kind of looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> the f- the train fight, which we're going to talk about, yeah. is incredible for somebody's student film. And yeah, and Van Bever's on the record again. He said he thought he got a raw deal with the VHS, didn't see enough money from it. Uh, it wasn't until this 2019 Blu-ray release that he really felt like he finally got a fair shake. Um, I think this is by far his most commercially successful film, although he did make another movie in the 90s, The Manson Family, that, that also uh, had a relatively wide DVD release. In fact, I can say that I picked a copy of it up at Best Buy back in the day to get as, uh, as a gag gift from my father. So you, you can actually find that out in the wild. Did you get uh, put on a watch list for buying that? I am sure that I did. More on that movie later. Uh, and uh, But anyway, <clears throat> uh, there's no official Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic score for this movie, although there is a Rotten Tomatoes user score of 73%. Uh, so right there, listeners, I think we should all brigade Rotten Tomatoes and try to get some like certified reviews on there so we can get Deadbeat at Dawn certified fresh like it deserves. Yeah, we got to get this up over 80. Totally. And as the Thunderous Wizard, I think, mentioned earlier, you know, this movie has developed a small cult following. And it's thanks in no part to being uh, heralded by Joe Bob Briggs. Um, he gave the movie a positive review when it was released. He also featured it on one of the episodes of his show on Shudder, The Last Drive-In, uh, in 2020. It's season seven, episode 10. And uh, in honor of Joe Bob, here are the drive-in totals for Deadbeat at Dawn. We get four breasts, 29 dead bodies, two motor vehicle chases, arm sewing, double face slashing, shoulder stabbing, hand blown off, head twisted off, Exploding neck, knife to the head, bloody wound tub soaking, golf clubbing, human trash compacting, heroin in the bloody toe, beer can thumping, hooker pawing, heavy coke sniffing, urinal head ramming, bloody zombie ghost scene, head splitting, throwing star to the forehead, heads roll, thumbs roll, gratuitous giant snake, kung fu, baseball bat foo. Throwing Star Foo and Railroad Typhoo. Now, come on, that right there should sell anyone listening to this pod on this movie. If you haven't seen it, you should want to see it after hearing all of that. The only two things I would add is every other type of foo you could imagine and brain fingering that happens. <laughs> we yeah, literally that, uh... get a shirtless nunchuck scene, <laughs> you get yep. multiple. So well, not this, fully shirtless, but you multiple nunchuckeries. Watch this movie. It is incredible. Yeah. I think the nunchucks or the nunchucks, excuse me, that's a glaring uh, omission here. But the bigger missing item is that sweet wall jump he does to get out of like the, oh, dump, yeah. the two the, on the one. The backflip. 
Yeah. 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 The, the wall head, run the, flip. The wall head ramming that he jumps back out of. He escapes yep. a lot of attacks. He's very good at evading. And what that's one of the things they say that damn it, T dubs. Come on, Kung Fu Boy, or something like that when they start fighting him at the train station. (laughs) (laughs) And all of that is even crazier, guys, when you think about this movie's only 81 minutes long. And uh, because, of course, you can, you can find it streaming for free on Tubi. So there we go. And it's unrated, but it's clearly rated R. Um, I I would say I would would lean heavily toward R, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think NC-17 was a possibility. Leading heavily towards banned in other countries. <laughs> yeah, not, well, UK for sure. Definitely not allowed in the UK. No nunchucks <laughs> in the UK. Sorry, Jim. Yeah, they don't even like the Ninja Turtles, for crying out loud. Okay, so directors, writers, and cast here. We've got Jim Bam Bever, who wrote, directed, and starred in the movie as Goose, the leader of the Ravens gang. Michael King was a producer and the cinematographer. He's a frequent Van Bever collaborator. And then we have Paul Harper, who plays Danny Carmody, the leader of the rival Spiders. You have Megan Murphy, who plays Goose's girlfriend, Christy. Mark Pittman plays Bone Crusher, Danny's muscle. And we get Rick Walker as Keith. That's Goose's number two in the Ravens. And that's that's pretty much the core of the cast. And so if not, it's a bunch of goons and, uh, you know, extras. So that brings us to one-liners. IMDb describes this movie as follows. One last job separates the leader of the Ravens gang from an early retirement. When he finds his girlfriend beaten to death by members of a rival gang, he seeks revenge, knowing that he may be dead by dawn. Will more blood bring her back? I mean, as a grindhouse tagline, that's not terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know. I think the tagline is better, you know. Yeah, he left the gang, they killed his girl, he is deadbeat at dawn God but anyway my one-liner <laughs> oh well well let's go to captain cash and captain cash can you improve on imdb what's your one-liner i'm not going to improve on it but if i have to give this a one-liner this movie is what happens when you let dawn of the dead the warriors and american ninja have an ugly ugly baby I also don't understand how this movie was shot in 88 when it looks like it was shot in 75. But that's Dayton. a whole other thing. <laughs> Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> Day- Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio is still in the 70s. <laughs> My favorite time machine is, t- is to travel to Dayton, Ohio, and I go back <laughs> to, you know, the very beginning of Reagan era. Hi, it's it's 10 years Dayton. It's 10 years behind the rest of the country. Leave it alone. Oh, systematic poverty. But anyway, no, Dayton's not that bad. At least it's not Cincinnati. <laughs> it's a terrible town. Hey, oh, all right. Well, Thunderous Wizard, what can you do? Before Rex Quando was teaching the youth of America karate in strip malls in the Midwest, he was avenging his girlfriend's death as the deadbeat at dawn. <laughs> that completely works. And I know I ruined yours, Mayor McCheese, but I can you I- give us something. I can give you another factual one. This is the only movie I've seen by your neighbor. <laughs> yep. Hey, now you stole mine because my one-liner was Deadbeat at Dawn is easily the coolest movie that any of my neighbors have ever made. I think you might be the only one with a neighbor-making movie. Or wait, yeah, and wait, yeah. Well, I mean, 
I guess I lucked out in that regard. I mean, he's made a couple of movies. And three out of the four panel here thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's all about context. It's a badge of honor to know that your neighbor was cool enough to realize that Bone Crusher needed a two minute monologue. (laughs) Yeah. He had a vision and I think he executed probably about 80% of it. And part of that vision was definitely Bone Crusher's monologue. Uh, So yeah, let's jump into the plot here because there's honestly not that much to this movie other than there's a gang war, but there is an underlying plot and some character motivations. Um, And it's really not that important, Um, but uh, you know, it's worth pointing it out. Uh, Goose is the leader of a street gang called the Ravens and they are in a turf war with the rival spiders who are led by the sadistic Danny. Goose's girlfriend, Christy, convinces him to leave the gang life behind and start a new life with her. And Goose opts to make one last drug deal to earn them some money before starting their new life. Hey, uh, what are you going to do with that crank, man? (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. What's the line? Sell it to kids. I can sell it to kids. I can sell it to whoever. Yeah, he goes, none of your fucking business. But I can sell it to kids. (laughs) I mean... On the one hand, that's an insane line, but it is also one of the more sane character moments. Well, well I think it, it, it's an over-the-top comment on drug culture in general. It's, this, it's indiscriminate. There's another part of this that I love. When the first guy, the muscle, pulls a gun on JVB and he kicks it out of his hand, picks it up, and then goes, hey, you're tough. <laughs> and then they're back to doing business. <laughs> that's that's one of the, the best just, aspects of it. He doesn't want to do business with someone who isn't tough. That yeah. just makes sense. You want to yeah. know. But the, yeah. the well, it lets him know that JBB means business. There's two other great moments in this. There's one he's testing the purity of, and he said, Hey man, I told you that was mostly pure. You don't have to t- mostly pure. Mostly you, don't test that. you don't have to have your monkey test it. And then <laughs> And then after he tells them what they're going to like, he tells them to F off about the crank. They just go back to Van Beber, who awkwardly stares at them walking down the alley for maybe 15 to 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because he, he now feels guilty because he's actually a good guy at heart. And he realizes that selling drugs is bad. But black guys might sell, I sell drugs kids. in the community. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird moments like that. Cause you're supposed to see uh, goose as like a, the, the gangster with a, golden heart and he's supposed to be somewhat sympathetic you mentioned earlier that goose is the leader of the ravens did he also beat josh allen for the afc mvp or (laughs) goose goose made the pro bowl over josh allen (laughs) Goose did make the pro bowl for josh allen (laughs) what i want to know specifically is if you're the leader of the ravens are you required to take a bird themed nickname like were there was there another iteration of the Ravens that was led by say Falcon, Eagle or Sparrow, Duck, something? Swallow. <laughs> no. Hey, I am but, curious. Were they his flock? Oh, was, no, they were his murder. They were his murder Ooh, of Ravens. A murder of crows. That's oh, yeah. crows. And what's a bunch yeah. of geese called? Isn't there? What's there? A gaggle. A honk. Yeah. <laughs> a gaggle. <laughs> You honked on my territory. <laughs> Honk your noise. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of confused, too. If these guys have, like, pounds of crystal meth around, it sure seems that they should be doing better than they are. 
since that seems to be a lucrative drug trade yet he just makes this one deal but let's not get too far into that because this is the last deal he's going to make uh because you know again he's trying to start this new life with uh with christy but while he's out making this deal christy is killed by two spiders namely bone crusher and his accomplice Stubby. uh yeah <laughs> and, namely in that we can name one bone crusher. stubby disappears uh, yeah I, I remember stubby just because of that weird interaction where bone crusher's definitely blazed out of his mind like where's stubby he's like he's uh he's finding he's finding goose i'm like yeah bone crusher definitely killed stubby too didn't he <laughs> <laughs> doesn't remember it <laughs> he's in that trash compactor uh right underneath christy uh so yeah so goose is devastated by christy's death and he's so broke up about it, he just unceremoniously walks her down to the trash compactor and stuffs her in. Yeah, that was weird. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I sure, why? I, I don't know. I, I guess he needed to hide the bot. I don't want to ask. Okay, so anyway, at this point, he's so distraught, he goes on a self-destructive bender, uh, bordering on suicidal Oh, actually, I guess blatantly suicidal uh, before he's rescued uh, from his drug induced haze by Keith and drug back to the Ravens, uh, the Ravens and spiders in the absence of goose for several hours a day. I don't know, have joined forces to pull off an armed car robbery and they want goose back for the job. Goose does rejoin the Ravens, but is secretly plotting to steal the cash for himself and deliver it to Christie's sister, knowing full well this is likely a suicide mission. But before he can make his move, the spiders try to double-cross the ravens, and Goose makes off with the money in the confusion. The movie ends with a sweet railroad station gang fight and car chase, ending with a mortally wounded Goose managing to get the money to Christie's sister before dying in the gutter, deadbeat at dawn. And that's the movie, folks. Can we for a moment just re- reflect upon how tiny this sack of money is? <laughs> Very it's tiny. It's like, it was it's 88, like one though, loaf so you could have bought, like, you know, Can we reflect car? on the fact that Christy's sister hits him with the car on accident and not the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty, you know, that's realistic. Oh, yeah, she has no world. idea what's going on. Yeah. There's two bloody men beating the hell out of each other, and she got a weird phone call from apparently Christy's boyfriend. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, that is one of the odder parts of the movie. He does, you know, he calls Christie's sister, and that is one of the weirdest interactions in the entire film. Like, mm. it's not how human beings talk to each other. I realize it was probably filmed at two completely different times, but it was still very stilted. I would, I would have to say that almost every interaction involving a female in this movie is awkward because I think somebody might have hurt Jim Van Bedver back in the day. <laughs> emotionally scarred him and then there's every a, part of this movie it gets real weird there's a lot of violence against women particularly yep. from danny but also drunk goose yep. attempts to accost a woman yeah it, well no i i will say though if you again now with some actual context all the violence and mistreatment of women is always coded as negative it is gratuitous Oh, for sure. Danny's the bad guy, 100%. Yeah, but Jim's also, when Jim's at his worst or his lowest, when Jim is not himself, that's when he mistreats the uh, the girl at the bar. So it's not glorified like he's cool. It's like, no, he's a a drunken mess, and he 
tries to pick up the uh, the bar girl. So yeah, again, it's gratuitous, but it's always coded as a negative interaction. Like, oh, that's that's not the right thing to do. So I'll give him some credit there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the the women are not w- written very strongly in this. They're mostly sex objects. Mm, that's not true because Christie is a date medium. Yeah. <laughs> she's, a, she's a date witch. Not to be yeah, confused yeah. with the local hockey team. <laughs> yeah, she's she learning to, to tell the future. So yeah, she appears to be a vaguely, a vaguely I don't know European fortune teller. <laughs> I don't know what's going wrong. I'm doing all my spells and my incantations. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if she had been in California, she would have started goop. It would have been fine. <laughs> Dayton is just a terrible place that sucks all the, the hope and joy from a person. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's easy when you don't have to go very far for abandoned warehouse sets. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the one gang has a sweet pad hangout, and then they're like, but we'll meet at the, uh, what's the, there's the spider, we'll meet at the spider's boiler room. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, should, not- we set up shop in an operational hothouse. <laughs> Nothing bad can happen here. There's no exits. <laughs> Let's all gather in this tiny room. Also, they all have guns, we don't. Oh, yeah, I like how the, the new, Keith, Super trusting Keith, who's been in charge for three hours, is like, we got to be cool. We're letting them split the money in their house, and also we're not allowed to bring guns to the transaction. Makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Keith. Meanwhile, yeah. Uh, Goose, like the dude from "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker," is just loading different <laughs> weapons into every like. And he 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 dug into his BDSM bag and brought out some weird leather chest contraption that. Apparently can hold a butt ton of ninja stars, throwing knives, and guns. Well, you don't have a ton of ninja stars and throwing knives and nunchucks without some way of deploying it all at once. It's just, it's not practical. It's it's an interesting rig, for sure. Which is worse, that rig, or if you just shoved them all in a fanny pack and was just bringing them out. That's way more practical. That's why... My backup, stylish. Uh, my backup one sentence description would have been, what if Napoleon Dynamite were in a street gang in Dayton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So with all that said, before we get any further into our thoughts on the movie, let's give it our beer ratings. I'll start with you, Thunderous Wizard. What do you rate this movie? It's 81 minutes, so it's not super long. Uh, but three enjoyment beers, high enjoyment beers. <laughs> this movie is incredible. It's just fun, bad uh, exploitation grindhouse low budget cinema yeah. and it's unintentionally yeah. hilarious in a lot of parts <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very fair what do you give it captain cash um i'm gonna call it three enjoyment one pain but i it like this is one of those movies that is so over the top so utterly insane and so completely sincere that it's really hard not to appreciate it. It's like, you can't, you can't get mad at this movie. It's just, and like, and and a little bit of it too, is how very obvious this was someone's passion project. So it kind of feels like, you know, you you can't, you can't give it worse than a four. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, The movie has its charms. There's a reason I think it's caught on and resonated with audiences. It's definitely midnight movie schlock. It does not elevate the genre. Do not get me wrong. But but it's a lot of fun for a movie made for zero dollars by a a film school dropout. It does not elevate the genre, but it is a very solid entry into the genre of, of schlock. 
I'll, I'll, I'll say this now. I believe Joe Bob Briggs called it one of the greatest drive-in movies of all time. You know, he just felt this was just a great, like midnight movie drive-in type movie. So I you know that's that's high praise. Again, I think that again he helped to uh, get an audience for this movie because you know he he's mentioned it multiple times. Mary McCheese, what's your beer rating for Deadbeat at Dawn? If I could give it a ten, I'd give it a ten, but that's beyond our capacity, and it's only eighty minutes long. I I'm right in the same wheelhouse. I'd say four enjoyment, just because trying to go higher in eighty minutes is a lot. There is some missteps. There's some weird scenes we were texting yep. about that I'm like, eh. Could have gotten rid of that and gotten more action in because oh, some of the, the action, the sex scene, cough, <laughs> <laughs> the lingering the, sex scene in the woods. Yeah, the lingering sex scene. A lot of the dad stuff could have been fixed. The scene with the weird guy at the diner talking about how he wants free food for Jesus. Um, take all no, that, that out and just that's got to stay. <laughs> take all that out and put in more action. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that till you said that right now, McCheese. Like, I mean, it, it's like a scam, right? He's trying to say, "Hey, I want two breakfasts, one for me and one for the Lord." Yeah, you wouldn't charge the Lord, would you? Yeah, and then he starts <laughs> diving into some Proud Boys style, like it's part of constitutional law that if God needs to be fed, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, sovereign citizen stuff." Yeah, no, but there is. I mean, there's some cool action in here, like where they where they drag his ass down the wall in that car. Ugh. I mean, that looks horrifically painful to lose all the skin on your arm. I mean, yeah, a lot of it's over the top, like throat rip, but that's what I'm here for. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something. I'm right there with you, though. I would give this four enjoyment beers, especially if they're high lives. Because, uh, again, yeah, like you said, this movie's only eight minutes long, so four beers should make you pleasantly buzzed. Um, yeah, and the fact that it's all practical effects, it's all Van Beber doing it because he does the majority of the, of the heavy stunt work. And it's him. It's like when you see him hanging off a car, it's literally him hanging off a car. Yeah, like, as I say, I don't think there. If there's, there's no wire in, work, there's no there's no yeah, there's, rigging. It's just him hanging on a car, driving down an alley and date with somebody with a camera in front of it. Yeah, if there's stuntmen, it's them. It's him and his buddies making this movie. It's not like, like they went out and got I a like professional. the scale out of the parking garage where he literally just jumps out of a parking garage on a yeah, rope. He repels. He repels on a rope. Yeah. Yep, that, that, that's a thing that happened. How about yeah. when he steals the motorcycle? He's hiding behind the chi- like the, the, <laughs> the wrought iron fence for a second, like no one can see him. And then he runs up and the guy goes, the fuck are you? Whack him right in the head with the nunchucks. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's great. Okay, so before we go any further, uh, you know, let's take a break here and hear a message from our spider-hating brothers in arms from the Hop Nation USA podcast. We'll see you on the flip side. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We're still talking Deadbeat at Dawn, and now I've got some questions for the panel to go along with our general impressions of the film. You know, we were just talking about some of the action and how some of it's pretty decent and it's pretty interesting because it's all practical effects and it's all just the handful of people that we see on the screen. Um, were you guys shocked about how proficient some of that stuff was shot? 
I mean, again, you got to remember, this is a film school dropout blowing his 10 grand worth of tuition money to make this movie. This, there, there is no budget here. This is like zero budget. I, I was surprised. He does some really cool camera things uh, when he goes and meets up with Danny and Keith. And he goes after Danny and they basically gets dragged to the floor and they go to the camera tracking him as he gets dragged down. They reverse angles a lot. They do some neat things with like the knife where uh, Danny's opening and closing his switchblade and, and the, the lens goes behind it. So you're looking basically as the switchblade goes up and down and there's goose on like sort of faded in the background. He does, he, he did some really cool things and the fight at the end is just really well done for, I mean, a guy that, as far as I can tell, maybe watch some karate videos on VHS. Like I'm not sure yeah. he's actually trained in, t- in martial yeah. arts. He, he is a mall ninja thing. for sure. How yeah. dare you, yeah. sir? <laughs> so, uh, you know, even the, when it decides like it's going to go full, like B movie gore and like bone crusher snaps, a uh, armored car guy's neck and like it, it's it the guy's neck. he turns his head backward <laughs> yeah. he goes he goes full bar now so, yeah i i was impressed I, I, <laughs> if you're like thinking the first 20 minutes are going to indicate like what it's going to be you're like oh man this is going to be bad but it kind of turns a corner <laughs> At, <laughs> It definitely picks up steam at the end, which is one of my big things for any kind of like action driven movie like this. It the stakes get raised at the end, the stunts get bigger, it gets wilder. That whole heist at the end, it's definitely the the climax of the movie. You know, there's no question. Yeah, I mean, if um, I was going to say anything, I would say the middle drags a little in the scenes I mentioned earlier. But I think I think Cash nailed it on the head. Like, how can you not like this? I mean, it's. It's a passion project. It's right up our alley. It's not high art, but it's cool. It's fun. These dudes did a great job for the fact. Like I couldn't go out and write and make this kind of stuff with as much as we watch movies. There's no way. Write, star in, direct, and stunt coordinate. That's yeah. a lot. That this is very. He's a he's a renaissance man. He's sort of. I mean, he's like a little bit like George Clooney. Probably a little bit it, more handsome. Also from Ohio. Also from yeah. Ohio. Well, I think that's a good point to make here, too, because, yeah, Van Bibber had help with this. But uh, by help, I mean his buddies. (laughs) It wasn't like a bunch of other filmmakers or professional actors or like stunt people. Like, he, you know, he didn't have there there wasn't like a Dayton film community that, that was helping him out with this. He pretty much did it on his own over the course of four years, which I will add is probably why he ends up with a beard inexplicably at the end of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. To his <laughs> credit, sudden... it says several months later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it does. I missed that. <laughs> time will yeah. have passed. It's fine. Time, time has passed. Yeah. To this, yeah. To be fair. But yeah, I, I, I agree though that I, there's some camera stuff that's done and there's some stunt stuff that's done. That's, that's done really well. And, and I think it shows the potential he had. I think in a different world, he probably had some money thrown at him, got to make some like schlocky, uh, you know, B movies. Uh, but for whatever reason, he, he never, he never got into that, uh, that uh, Hollywood sphere uh, to do, to do that kind of stuff. Or, I mean, you know, either, either schlocky exploitation action or maybe a horror movie. Let's, but yeah, I think he shows potential. I feel like he had a zombie movie in it. Yeah. Let's be totally honest here. Uh, UA Bull, who was laundering, German money to, to make you a mean series Nazi of, gold. Uwe, yeah, Nazi Uwe gold. Uh, Uwe Boll, Uwe. 
this movie is, I think he, it's a better movie than, than obviously Postal, but like he could easily make movies like that. And probably yeah. they're going to be more fun because Uwe Boll's movies generally don't understand humor. <laughs> so, like uh, leading with 9-11 jokes, like not, not great. Not your strongest, yeah. not your strongest. Yeah. But, you know, I will admit, though, I think the biggest fault this movie has is uh, Mayor McCheese pointed out that in the middle, some of the character development work, he struggles with that. Like the Christie angle and the thing with his dad, like we all understand what he's trying to tell us, but it's not, it doesn't make for necessarily, necessarily, excuse me, compelling storytelling, but that's not really what we're here for in a movie where people are getting hit in the forehead with ninja stars and getting their fingers blown off in cemeteries. So I think this is probably going to be a unanimous answer across the pod here, but do we have a favorite non-goose character from the movie? I, the only other one we can name reliably. I mean, it's it's Bone Crusher, and he <laughs> runs away Crusher, with this right? thing. <laughs> it I is want my a Bone Crusher origin pick. Where's yeah, that? His performance yeah. is a tour de force. Yeah. <laughs> Rarely have we seen someone steal a movie the way Bone Crusher steals this movie. Well, I, I guess the real question, since we're all going to be on the Bone Crusher boat, is what is your most favorite unhinged Bone Crusher moment? There's the speech, obviously. There's where now he inexplicably, inexplicably has snakes, one or two, and he's chasing uh, Goose around with him. There is, what's the, uh, the, <laughs> the part where... <laughs> He pops out of the manhole cover during the fight. <laughs> that, that might be my favorite because it, it brings in the question. So throughout the majority of this fight, you've been hiding in the manhole, waiting for him to maybe run over here. Und- underneath a play- piece of plywood. It's yeah, plywood then a manhole. And as he runs over out. it, Bone Crusher pops out. <laughs> well, it's, that's because that's what Bone Crusher does. Yeah, first and, off. And then he picks up like what you assume is supposed to be this incredibly heavy piece of wood, but you can tell it's not heavy at all. And it's just so great as he bashes him. him It's like like the world's shortest railroad tie. Like it's just like, it's a black, it's a black piece of styrofoam. It's a, I'm sorry. It's a piece of styrofoam spray painted black. (laughs) He hits him with a good dozen times. And then it's like, he got bored. He takes it over to a wall and puts it away. (laughs) and comes back to the fight. (laughs) Well, it's kind of, that whole fight was kind of scripted like a professional wrestling match. So he had to get to his next mark. So he had to get rid of no, the no, 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 no. The whole train fight is scripted like a professional rusher because when he's fighting, he's running like he's trying to jump on the train, and then it stops, and he's fighting two new people, Streets of yeah. Rage style, and then he's running again. Oh no, it's it's definitely like a proceed right to your next enemy's thing. A little hand comes out. Go this way. <laughs> oh. No, I, I do appreciate the fact that they go out of their way to make Bone Crusher the heavy. He's supposed to be the muscle, so of course he has that giant railroad tie. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so memorable. But favorite favorite line, you know, for me, I I do think it's I really like the part where he like it was stoned out of his gourd and couldn't remember where Stumpy was. <laughs> it's like, and then even at the right before the last fight, you know, there he's the one with the pint in his hand, and the boss, you know, Danny has to tell him to keep a clear head. Bone Crusher is just a, he's a wild card. He's a loose cannon. Yeah. Trust him. (laughs) Who knows what he's going to do. And then, you know, we've been talking about all these cool stunts and stuff like that. I mean, just let's go on the record here. Uh, You know, what's your favorite stunt and or effect from the movie? I'll start with you, Captain Cash. 
I got to give it like it's very Dawn of the Dead, but the the neck tear open throat rip like I'm not really sure what he's pulling out of the guy's neck His Adam's apple. I guess. Sure. I'm assuming. I don't, yeah. I don't think it works like that, but whatever. I like that struck me as very Dawn of the Dead. Like Jim Van Bever saw this. He's like, I, I could do that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if like he wrote to Tom Savini at some point and was like, Hey Tom, how'd you pull that off? And Tom be like, yeah, you know, he did this and I did this. And he's like, I'm gonna try it on a neck. Yeah. But like, you know, it was, it was an impressive effect again, made for ostensibly no money. Yeah, no. And I, I have no idea how he pulled that off either. It's a really good point. Uh, it, 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 it's a little gory, you know, it's a little over the top, but it, it works um, in the context of the movie. And I think even more importantly, earlier, like in like the first like half an hour of the movie, I, I believe Goose threatens to tear his throat out. And he does in the end. I thought that was great. Planting and payoff. There you yeah, go. Uh, yeah. I'm going to rip your dick off. Shove it down. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, no. no. Well, no. Uh, what do you got for damn it. T-dubs? <laughs> oh. <laughs> of course, McGruber. I'm sorry. All right. What do you have for us, T-Dubs? What was your favorite stunt or uh, uh, effect? I think he's going to say Jim Bam Beber showing his ass. First, I just want to bring up. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a tight butt, but. <laughs> Roadhouse, a, which tight came, butt, definitely a tight butt. Can't yeah. can't undersell that. Roadhouse, which came out a year after this. What does Dalton do? Oh, throat ripping. Yeah, throat, throat ripping. ripping. Maybe a little mm. inspiration. Uh, his hair and a little McGruber, bit more, a lot of throat ripping, bit more feathered. But my favorite, and it's not probably not the best. I think him hanging off the car is one of the more impressive stunts for a bunch of dipshits hanging out in the back alleys of Dayton. Uh, but they also crash a car into like a river, which yes. is pretty good. But my they is, literally crash a cart into a river. Yeah, I had questions about that. Like, did they just leave that? Did they yeah. have to get a tow truck and pull it out? Like, no, for ten thousand dollars, you leave it and you hope that you don't get in trouble. <laughs> you yeah. report it stolen. <laughs> well, there are so many cars in the Dayton River. They didn't think anyone would notice. <laughs> it's a, bone, a car boneyard. Uh, mine is, but mine has to be. Uh, bone crusher's death scene where he throws him like down onto this highway and he gets run over and then you just see this mangled head roll down the road it, it literally it's like someone rolled it off camera just so it rolled directly in front of the screen I, it's pretty amazing yeah that was one of mine um i i mean i don't know if i'm gonna go with the best but some other stuff that's impressive for what you think about was done here jvb can throw a knife like that's not fake he throws yeah. a bunch of knives into a bunch of things like a, trees a, walls yeah i mean Again, I, all, obviously all the stuff that goes star, into people is fake he, he, does but like, ninja star too. he studied under michael dudikoff the american ninja <laughs> and <laughs> and uh learned a couple moves such as the crescent kick and the uh Spinning, spinning roundhouse, and uh, how to throw a ninja star. I mean, I, also I the chucking. That's chucking one hundred and one. Yeah, I mentioned it before. I like the chucking one hundred and one. This is chucking three hundred level at the bare minimum. Oh, sir. by the way, he can. It still might chuck. even be a capstone class on chucking a four hundred level. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, it's a capstone. <laughs> he probably was the uh, uh, Foot Clan stunt guy in Ninja Turtles movie where he chucks has the chuck off. A fellow chucker, eh? <laughs> um. <laughs> 
I mentioned it before. I like the scene where they run him down the wall. And then the other one that I like, I'm like, oh, it's going to happen because it never happens in any movie is where he gets his finger bitten off in the final fight. And the guy yeah. spits it on the ground. <laughs> That's great. It's, ah! so, it's so over the top. <laughs> It's like, and, and, and so that's this fight's getting super bloody, and that directly precedes him then ripping out Danny's throat. So just like, okay, wow, wow. No, wow. directly preceding is when he gets stabbed in the guts about 15 times. Super oh, yeah. fast. It's a, a real yeah. prison yard shanking right there. <laughs> yes, yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah, no. And I mentioned it before because I knew most of these would get mentioned by you guys. So I just got to shout out again that little wall run flip where he comes out of the 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 double gooning in, in, in where he's being having his head ran into the wall and then he just somehow does a little wall run to flip out of it like that's great stuff like that's just i did not expect that the first time i saw that i said holy shit okay not bad well played sir well yeah. played anyway but honestly I mean, he should have the key to your hometown <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i think in summary what i would say about this movie is that it definitely kicks ass and it's better than it should be. I mean, it is definitely far from perfect. So all the criticism that you've given McCheese, and I know you've got your reservations too, uh, Captain Cash, totally founded. I mean, this movie is definitely far from perfect. But I'll go back and say again, what sticks out to me is that Van Bever definitely has a decent eye for action. And he does do some interesting stuff with the camera and the blocking. And it's really like the definition of a cult movie. Like, this is like midnight, schlocky, B-movie, uh, C-movie even, really, uh, type stuff. That Yeah, it's, it's the, perfect, the perfect kind of movie. And I'll go on the record saying that my opinion, I know a lot of people, and we've already mentioned it tonight, compare it to The Warriors that came out in 79, Death Wish that came out in 74. And, you know, I definitely get the whole gang motif thing because, you know, we get the masks and guys and jock straps. And you got the whole revenge-centric plot, which is very much Death Wish. But I'll say it again. I think there's a little bit of Taxi Driver here in this movie's DNA because they try to make Goose into this anti-hero of the underworld. He's, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do right by uh, his girlfriend, Christy, that maybe he wasn't necessarily the best guy and, and he ever claims to be, but he's still trying to do the right thing. So, again, I think that's got a little bit of uh, you know Taxi Driver, which came out in 76 in it. All right, well, enough of that. We need to take a break and freshen up our high lifes before we find our way to the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is the No I Loved Her trivia challenge. But first, here's a message from our Wobam Entertainment brothers from another mother at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We've been talking about Jim Bam Bever's Deadbeat at Dawn, and now it's time for the No, I Loved Her Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, tonight we have the standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and you'll be playing for a vintage 1980s Ben Cooper-style Batman Halloween mask. That's right, the same one used to craft Danny's mask 
from the cemetery fight. How cool is that? And no joke, you can find them on eBay. They're only about 25 bucks. Only? Well, only. what a deal. <laughs> hey. Uh, Captain Cash, can you please get a 3D printing code for one of those? Uh, I think that <laughs> I bet I can, but. The next time we all hang out, uh, we're all dressing as characters from this film. I mean, I know this is radio listeners and you can't see this, but the panel can't see me below the waist either. I am, in fact, wearing a jock strap over my pants right now. How yep. are you supposed to wear your jock strap? Exactly. That's how they work, right? Uh, the chime-ins tonight are, I hate people, man, or fuck your noise, along with any of the pod standards. Good luck, gentlemen. Are you ready? This is going to get real Dayton specific, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly Van Beber specific, but yeah, you know, since he has the key to the city. Let's say I mean, potato, yeah. potato. Yeah. yeah. Van Beber is Dayton. All right, Chumpsilla, give me that rush. All right, let's do it. Question number one. Deadbeat at Dawn was not Megan Murphy, who played Christy. Uh, it was not her first screen credit. Which of these 70s movies served as her big screen debut? Was it A, Jesus Christ Superstar, B, Grease, C, The Hills Have Eyes, or D, Hair? Son of a bitch. Uh, I should have looked this up, but I do remember looking at IMDb, and her picture is literally her and Van Biver in the, the sex scene in the woods. It's a shirtless <laughs> Van Biver on top okay. of her. Yeah, and honestly, uh, the actor that plays Bone Crusher, his IMDb picture is a sex scene of him in the Manson Family movie. Weird. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. First, I hate people, man. Uh, what's your answer? Um, I'm going to, uh, just because it's a good movie, The Hills Have Eyes. You know, I kind of threw that in there to be like that. Well, it's a grindhouse horror type thing. Nope, that is not the correct answer. Yeah, do everyone else I'm a favor. Yeah, I'm going to give the panel the remaining answers to see if either Captain Cash or the Thunderous Wizard can steal here. We've got A, Jesus Christ Superstar, B, Grease, or D, Hair. I don't give a shit about nothing, man. T-dubs. I'm going with Jesus Christ Superstar. Ooh, that would be incorrect. Okay, you've got a 50-50 Captain Cash. Hair or Grease? Or Grease. Hair. Hair. That is correct. She was ah, a backup right. dancer in hair. See, like I, I was between hair and Jesus Christ Superstar the whole time because I figured there was enough background, like chorus people that we'd get away exactly. with. Exactly. Yep. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, that's one point for Captain Cash. You're in the lead as we head into question number two. Due to the film's violence and the presence of nunchucks, the movie was banned in the UK until when? A. 1995 B 2009 C 2018 or D 2020 I don't give Fucking a shit darts. about nothing man that is the thunderous wizard I'm gonna go with 2009 Ooh, B 2009 that is incorrect can anyone steal I'm gonna shoot Captain Cash I'm gonna say 2018 just ahead of the blu-ray release there you go. That is correct. The UK finally allowed the yes. release of the movie in 2018. That Batman mask trivia, is man. mine. I still don't get what the Brits have against nunchucks, but whatever. That's All a right. dangerous specific weapon. thing. Yeah. 
weird. But they're seemingly cool with knife violence, which seems to be a much bigger problem for them in reality. You know, it could be but even a bigger whatever. problem. None knife chucks. chucks. No knife uh, chucks. Yeah, what are those called? There's those chucks with the like the sharp tips. What are those called? Knife anyway, chucks. Things, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Knife chucks. Uh, Pointy, Pointy nunchucks. chucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's a two-point lead for Captain Cash. And we've arrived at question number three. Which Ohio college was Jim Bam Beber studying cinema at before dropping out to make Deadbeat a Dog? Oh, I read this and I don't remember. Was it A, Wright State University, B, Miami University, love and honor, C, the University of Dayton, or D, Antioch College? Fuck your noise. That would be the Thunderous Wizard. Wright State. Wright State, wrong college, but that is the right answer. Oh. Yes, he was studying at Wright State University, which is in Dayton. So go figure. Isn't that the home of the largest science microscope in Ohio? Is that right? The largest microscope in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what road sign did you read on a drive through Dayton? That, that's what stuck with you. I thought that you was the, the largest microscope. I'll tell you who doesn't know that answer. That's Jim Van Bever. <laughs> Because he dropped out. Because he dropped out. Because he knew better. Well, that's like something. You, that's like something you get gifted. Like a thousand things to do when you're in Dayton. And like <laughs> number eight hundred forty-five is like we have the largest microscope in the, Ohio. The Midwest is a weird place, right? We used to drive drive by two giant crosses on the way back to Miami. It was like, hey, stop here. It's a giant cross. There's a visitor center. It's like it's right six, next to the Lion's Den yeah, and the Creation Museum. Yeah. Dog cross. <laughs> Anyway, that is one point for the Thunderous Wizard. So the score now is two points for Captain Cash, one for the Thunderous Wizard, and that's a goose egg for you, Mary McCheese. But it's okay. We've got two questions left. Number four. In Van Bever's fantastically gory short film, Roadkill, The Last Days of John Martin, what kind of car does the titular serial killer drive? Is it A, a Dodge Rampage, B, a Chevy El Camino, C, a Pontiac Fiero, or D, a Ford Ranchero. Those are all good. I hate people, man. T-dubs. I feel like Jim Van Bever is not exactly good with like subtlety, so I'm going with the Rampage. <laughs> okay, you know what? It's funny you would answer that. It is technically incorrect, although I am almost 90% sure that is what Bone Crusher, the actor that plays Bone Crusher, refers to the vehicle as in the film, but he is not correct. I, I was suspect of it because like, I kind of know what a Dodge Rampage looked like, and that's not it. And it turns out it's not. So I'm sorry, but A, Dodge Rampage is incorrect. Uh, Mark Pickman would have gotten it wrong, too, so don't feel bad. I'm going to shoot. Like, I feel like he was on oh. a lot of drugs, so cars just look like cars to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. That's I'm fair. not on a lot that... of drugs, but cars just like cars to me. Yeah, well, what hey, that was a you? chime in from you there, Captain Cash. What's uh, what's your guess? Do you need the remaining answers? No, it was me. Come on. No, come on. <laughs> Wasn't oh, me. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, hey, was thank me. you for the honesty there. No, marry me cheese. I'm sorry. Well, I don't want to steal your opportunity here. Because there's, the there's a solid chance I'm going to do Cash a favor. I'm going to go with the Fiero. Fiero? Yeah, that was that was my red herring uh, answer there. God damn it. I picked yeah, all the red sorry. herrings tonight. Sorry, C is incorrect. Oh, that would have been a lot cooler. So the remaining answers for you, Captain Cash, are B, 
the Chevy El Camino, or D, the Ford Ranchero? Give me the El Camino. You, sir, would be incorrect. I'm sorry. It. it was D, a Ford Ranchero. But that huh. was the uh, that was kind of the uh, the trick there. The Rampage, the El Camino, and the Ranchero were all sedans with truck beds. Uh, what about the yeah. Canyonero? Canyonero! Ha! Ha! <laughs> Canyonero. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, you remain in the lead, Captain Cash, with two points and one for you, the Thunderous Wizard. Again, a goose egg for you, McCheese. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm mathematically out of it. <laughs> but here we go. Van Bever had to take a job at a fast food joint to fund and finish his Manson family movie in the 90s. Which franchise did he work at? Was it A, a Skyline, B, a Wendy's, C, a Rax, or D, Taco Bell? I'm going to shoot. Captain Cash. Wendy's. That is correct. Thank you. Wow. Oh, hey, Thank wow. you. me and Van Bever just... have something in common. Did a little Wendy's work to earn some yeah. extra dough. <laughs> well, that's why I Where's... threw the question in there. Maybe think of your time uh, slaving away to yeah. uh, earn the cash for your uh, Saturn. Or Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Get my Dreamcast, Dreamcast. man. Where's your $10,000 schlocky horror zombie gang war movie? T-Dubs worked at that Wendy's for a single day. Three days, thank you very much. And one time after closing, uh, Miguel and I fired up a bunch of chicken nuggets and just sat in the back instead of cleaning, eating chicken nuggets. That's that's what real we reliable. Did. Instead of Dude, that's like that's the like the original anti-work right there. Yep. Eat your hearts out, Reddit. I must eat like sixty of them. <laughs> oh my Jesus. god! Nice. You wonder why you got health problems. I mean, that is ma- that is like a reason people have to go to the hospital because they can't shit. <laughs> what happened, sir? I ate 60 chicken nuggets. <laughs> All right. So the, the good news is the limit is 59. They weren't filled with cheese or anything. You know, they didn't clog yeah. me up. Hey, that's, all, that's all protein. It's yeah. all white meat. All right. It's good for you. <laughs> Thank oh, you. All right. Well, congratulations, Captain Cash. I believe that gives you a three to one lead. I may have misstated the score earlier. So you kind of ran away with it tonight. So congratulations. There will be no Thank tie. You. No you. need to share that Batman mask. That is all you. And I'm, as I'm sure you will appreciate that as a master of cosplay. I am the bat. I am. The yeah. Bat. I'm just anyway. saying when we do the cosplay for this movie, I get to wear the mask where he just has electrical tape holding it to his face. <laughs> it's just yeah. a piece of tinfoil with two strips of <laughs> electrical tape on each side. I know I made the joke earlier about Van Beber showing up with the beard at the end, but I think the biggest casualty of the time jump, the literal time jump, I'm sure, in filming the beginning of this movie and the end of it is that they clearly lost that awesome Batman mask. <laughs> yeah, that should have showed back up at the end, but I'm sure that was Where's lost the time. mask, Van Beber? Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that finishes up our no. I loved her trivia challenge and brings us to recommendations. I'll just jump in here real quick. Um, I was going to recommend Van Bever's The Manson Family because I had heard that it had similar like culty following to it uh, or a culty following to it uh, as uh, Deadbeat at Dawn. But then I actually watched it because it's also free on Tubi and uh, it's not great. So I'm not going to recommend that. I would instead recommend that you watch his shorts, uh, Roadkill, The Last Days of John Martin and Chunk Blower. 
both of which are on YouTube and other various uh, video sharing sites. And there are also extras on every DVD or Blu-ray copy you can find at Deadbeat at Dawn. So check those out if you want more Van Bever content. They're both basically proof of concept shorts in hopes of turning them into future feature-length movies. So again, it's a shame nobody threw any money at them in the early 90s. I think you could have cranked out a couple of solid horror flicks. And uh, yeah, so Chunk Blower and Roadkill, check them out. Gentlemen, what do you guys recommend? I'll start with you, Captain Cash. By the time this comes out, you will be able to watch the first three episodes. I'm pumped for Peacemaker. I ain't seen it yet. I just, that's the new uh, Jim Gunn series on HBO Max. Fucking love isn't John it, isn't Cena. Isn't it James Gunn? James Gunn? Jim's Gunn? You, you help me put this in my truck. She a great big fat person. <laughs> my arm. <laughs> so when's that drop cash because that's on hbo max right yeah thursday. thursday so by the time you're hearing this yesterday hey i'll just say this if you're a james gunn fan or a trauma fan deadbeat of dawn is in your wheelhouse it it really is in a lot of ways i think the only thing it's missing it feels like it's missing the dialogue and the heart that i feel it's like it's not quite as in. yeah it's not quite yeah. as smart it's not quite as polished it's yeah. very Toxic Avenger. So if you love the Toxic it Avenger is. movies, which yes. I do, yeah. you'll like this. Well, that's good. Peacemaker, we'll check it out. Just so maybe you'll stop talking about it. Mary McCheese, what's your recommendations? Never. I'm going to push <laughs> mine just to give a RIP to Bob Saget. Go consume any of his stuff. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is him as the coke addict and half-baked. But also his stand-up is awesome. So you can be, you can see him be raunchy Bob Saget, or you can see him be dad um, Bob Saget, or just, I mean, he had a podcast. Apparently he's a super nice dude, and it's a bummer. Yeah, no, everybody seems to love him. And that's one of the great things about that scene in uh, Half-Baked is that, holy shit, that's Danny Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Little did you know that actually Bob Saget had a potty mouth. We, we didn't yeah. know that back then, kids. Did you ever suck dick for weed? <laughs> well, well, no, I, I can't say that I have. <laughs> Boo, Boo this, this man. man. Boo this man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's solid, man. Rip Bob Saget for sure. All right, T-Dubs, what do you have for the audience? Uh, prominently featured in the Aristocrats documentary, which is about the dirtiest and filthiest joke in comic history. And everybody oh, has yeah, a different he is in that. version yeah. of it. But yeah, he was like a comedian's comedian. And I saw a lot of people sending out love on social media so that it totally is a bummer because he was sort of a fixture of our lives when we were younger and then he was like oh he wasn't just this milk toast dad on a sitcom he was actually like this really raunchy funny comic so yeah yeah so i'm gonna lean into uh you know this movie is about silly over-the-top gang warfare and i'm currently watching season four of cobra kai i was i had my reservations i thought bringing in the Karate Kid 3 villain would kind of make the show jump the shark, but it's been pretty fun still. And I actually think it does Terry, the character of Terry Silver, a, a very good service because he was so stupid in the Karate Kid 3 and that movie is so ridiculous. And he's my favorite part of the season. So uh, season four of Cobra Kai, I'm just about done with it. Yes, it is stupid. Like it's hard to get past the fact it's a really stupid show. Like, switching sides and this person dating this person and this like it's a cycle of stupidity but it's a lot of fun and terry silver rules i'm really glad they brought uh, him back fair enough next up the fair bad enough. boy of karate mike barnes 
Well, thanks for the solid recommendation there, T-Dubs. And thank you, listener, for joining us on this episode. Next week, we have the second installment in our Hops and Hometown Flop series. And I believe this was teased earlier. We're going to be diving into 1989's Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze classic, with our host, the Thunderous Wizard. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Roadhouse, much like Deadbeat of Dawn, kicks ass. Just be nice. Yeah, until it's time not to be nice. Yeah. Exactly. And T-Dubs will let us know when that is. Exactly. I'll give that movie one big plus over Deadbeat to Dawn. It has a monster truck. So, come on. It also has a shirtless uh, karate display. Patrick Swayze and uh, just yeah. some sweats. Doing some Tai Chi or something. It's really, mm-hmm. I feel really like you're <laughs> underselling the presence of Sam Elliott, and I don't appreciate it. Uh, we'll yeah, get to no, Mr. Wade Garrett. All right. There'll yeah. be much Wade Garrett discussion. All right. The famous chiller, Wade Garrett. The famous uh, chiller lacking a mustache, Sam Elliott, which is also weird in its own terms. It, it is a little strange. But hey, listeners, look forward to that episode next week. And don't forget, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Captain Cash is at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And the Thunderous Wizard can be found on Twitter at WriterTLK. And don't forget, McCheese can be found at H-B-O-F McCheese on Twitter as well. Please check out Wobam Entertainment at wobamentertainment.com. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. We're always looking for recommendations from the audience. And just remember, we didn't kill Christy. We loved her. There is no why. Jump blower. Greatest movie never made. <laughs>